Nexus PMG welcomes you to the Bigger Than Us podcast, which we as energy geeks lovingly refer to as the BTU. Bigger Than Us is a podcast that focuses on ideas that will shape the future of our planet and ultimately our existence. We will occasionally lean into energy topics because after all, it's the key to our collective survival, but we'll also explore other ideas and topics that we believe will have an impact that is bigger than us. And now, on to today's show. Hello and welcome to the Bigger Than Us podcast. I'm your host, Raj Daniels, and today I'd like to welcome Troy Carter to the show. Troy Carter is a co-founder at Rhizome and is bringing the audacious scale and vision of startup methodology to the planet's ecological and climate crisis. He graduated from Stanford University with a degree in economics, was an early employee at Airbnb and E. Lacarte, then founded and scaled Troy Cider and exited after a successful acquisition in 2015. He has focused on carbon finance and renewable energy and agricultural projects for the last six years. He is now supporting Rhizome to grow into a globally significant climate-positive building materials and carbon sequestration company. Troy, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks, Raj. Happy to be here. Troy, thank you for joining us. Troy, where are you currently located? So I'm in, I'm in Sedona, Arizona at the moment, um, but our operations with Rhizome are mostly in Southeast Asia. So it's a pretty, it's a pretty uh, movable target with COVID and having a distributed team right now. <laughs> and how's the weather in Sedona? It's amazing. Um, it's sort of just the end of the, the hot period. So today's the first day when, when it started to cool down. Um, but for anyone who's been here, the, the morning sunrise up on the mountains is just amazing. Now, you didn't experience enough of that heat wave that I know LA or California is getting? We did, but I get up at five in the morning to go, you know, to go hike for a few hours. So we, we, we get up before the heat. <laughs> you and I both, I'm an early riser too. And I just appreciate that quiet time in the morning. Mm. So you mentioned rhizome earlier. Can you give an overview of what rhizome is? Yeah. So, so I'm a co-founder at rhizome and rhizome is a company that is pioneering a couple things. Um, first, we manufacture bamboo-engineered lumber. And bamboo-engineered lumber is a climate-positive building material that the more you build with it, the better the ecological impact. And so bamboo is regenerative on many levels. Um, but one of the main reasons is carbon sequestration uh, and that when you harvest it and put carbon into the built environment, it helps solve the climate crisis. And the second part is doing large-scale bamboo agroforestry and native reforestation um, and so we are working in the Philippines throughout Southeast Asia, have a project operational in Florida now, and have plans for expanding around equatorial regions throughout the world. So what kind of products do you actually manufacture? Totally. So we make, we basically make plywood and one of the, so how is it made? So we essentially take really, really large species of bamboo. You know, these are uh, Dendrocalamus asper and Giganteus. They can be 10 to 12 inches across really thick walls. And we plane a four-sided long board um, out of each pole. 
and we glue these small boards into pretty much any structural building products that you can imagine, plywood, and in the future, we'll be making sort of uh, we'll be making engineered lumber for modern mass timber, which is really large pieces of cross-laminated timber or laminated veneer lumber that go into tall mass timber buildings. How many kinds of bamboo are there? There's a lot, tens of thousands of different species. Um, but for structural building applications, there's only a few that are really useful. Um, one of the things Rhizome is also doing is optimizing for size and growth rate. And this is something that hasn't ever really been done before. Um, bamboo's always been used as you know chopsticks and toothpicks and cutting boards, more recently things like flooring. Um, and we're taking this material that's super strong, you know, two and a half times the strength to weight ratio as steel, uh, very fire resistant. So it's got a class A fire rating for all the architects out there um, designing buildings with exposed beams. It's an amazing material for that and also super durable, so you can walk on it. So it's an amazing material, um, and there's only a few species that we can actually use that are big enough to make it cost competitive with wood. Um, and that's the major inflection point that we're at right now, where bamboo is actually becoming cheaper than wood um, and is a technically superior material. And how did you come up with the idea for this, this company? Well, it definitely wasn't my idea. Um, I mean... You know, architects, designers, engineers, um, forestry people, you know, we've known about bamboo for a long time and it has a long history of construction used in, uh, you know, in China. You still see skyscrapers with bamboo scaffolding in Hong Kong um, and all through South and Southeast Asia. It's a very common building material. Um, our innovation has really been bringing round pole bamboo construction that's often used for, you know, sort of like you know, cottage industry, um, you know, low-end housing or sort of like rural, you know, rural construction use and bringing it to a globalized market. Um, and there's a few reasons for that. One is we're making dimensionalized products. So we're making plywood um, and inputs into larger engineered lumber, also hybrid bamboo panels. Um, and it's, it's essentially modernizing the bamboo industry so that farmers, indigenous people have markets that they can actually sell their bamboo into um, and accelerate this as a regenerative economy. How I got into it, um, it's a great question. So I've known the rest of the Rhizome team six or seven years. And, uh, and throughout that time, I've been working actively with the question, like, how do I make a positive impact on climate and the ecological crisis that's facing our planet. Like it's such a, it's such a big issue and it's so complex and many, many different layers from the human layer of how we operate to the systems layer of how we produce energy and how we build um, and economic layers of economic justice and incentives towards um, particularly in sort of marginalized or lower developed countries. And bamboo addresses the climate crisis, ecological restoration, and economic justice in a way that few other projects can. And so that was one of the reasons why I have committed so much time to making bamboo a global construction material so that it can be a legitimate and scalable end use for a really great plant 
um, that is highly complementary, uh, particularly in uses agroforestry. You know, it's interesting you mentioned scaffolding. I remember my first trip to India, which was in the 90s. I was shocked, surprised, and sometimes concerned with the amount of bamboo scaffolding I saw on buildings over there. You know, we're used to in here in the West seeing metal scaffolding. You know, you walk downtown New York or here in Dallas, you see metal scaffolding, you feel relatively safe walking underneath that just because you've grown up with it. But in India, you know, you see these bamboo poles that just look like they're tied together with twine or some other kind of, you know, tying material. And you see these people that are climbing up these scaffoldings with bricks and tossing, you know, tools up and down. And it looks really, if you're not familiar with it, it it's absolutely concerning. So mm-hmm. I can envision some of the, you know, uses that you mentioned during the explanation. So I appreciate that. Yeah. And just to chime in on that, that's one of the major image problems, a reason why bamboo has not uh, gotten farther to actually compete more easily with wood. It's really an image problem, you know, underdeveloped companies or countries from the global south doing unsafe practices using an unproven material. This is the image that bamboo has often. Um, And that's actually just completely wrong. It's a highly technical material, particularly when it's dimensionalized, um, way superior technical characteristics to wood, highly refined engineering. And that's the level of sophistication and sort of like Western quality methodology that we're bringing. So it's actually a turnkey solution for anyone anyone building in sort of like modern US or European cities. That's an interesting point. Sometimes, you know, what we're used to and what we see, how those two things collide in our mind and we try to, we conflate what might be safe and what's not. The name rhizome, where does that come from? So the rhizome is a biological term for the root structure of grasses. And Uh, Bamboo is a grass. It's a super tall grass. You know, we use bamboo that's 120 feet tall. Um, And the rhizome is is the biological reason why it's such a regenerative building material. And essentially, it grows really fast. Um, It becomes, it gets to size maturity uh, within seven years to harvest. And then every year you can harvest a third of the plant. And when you cut down a culm, it grows right back within 18 months to full size. And so that super, super fast growth rate, at least 10 times the growth rate of trees. Um, And because it has 10 times the growth rate of trees, that means it also has 10 times the carbon sequestration potential. And so, yeah, rhizome is like this this big um, energy storage system that then just continues to shoot up new sprouts. And uh, we love that metaphor for our company as well. So you mentioned growing, and from my understanding and reading, bamboo has some really unique growing properties, I'd say. Um, I know there's always an example of you know bamboo plants and the patience people should have. And in some cases, I've read that it can grow up to four feet in 24 hours. But can you explain Absolutely. the growing cycle of bamboo? Totally. So bamboo is very easy to grow. And we only grow clumping species of bamboo, not running species. So when we plant a new plant of bamboo, it doesn't become an invasive plant that would outcompete native forest, for example. So what we do, we take a we take a, a branch cutting or a node. So every foot or so, there's a there's a node which little branches come out, and we take that and we put it in a nursery pot or in the ground, um, and it grows very quickly. Within three years, um, a Dendrocalamus giganteus plant 
uh, can be 120 feet tall, you know, multiple combs at full size from six to 12 inches across, and compare that to a three-year-old Douglas fir that's about the size of a pencil and maybe four feet tall. So it's just a totally different order of magnitude of growth. And that, that sustains for about a decade. So over the first 10 years, it's this massive, massive growth rate. And after about 10 years, it essentially hits the status of climax forest, where there's actually no more sunlight that it can capture. Um, so then it starts leveling off its growth rate. One of the ways in which we solve this to continue uh, very high carbon sequestration rates um, and high utilization rates and biomass production for building materials is just to harvest. It actually thrives in being harvested. So the more we harvest, about a third of the clump every year, the faster it grows. So we can actually maintain a very, very efficient carbon drawdown source um, and building material that is, it's almost like it's designed for human use. Um, unlike trees that actually when you cut them down, uh, the entire ecosystem collapses, right? You cut down a really big tree um, of which we actually don't have so many left, right? There are very few old trees left in the world, but you cut down a big tree, um, the soil dies, uh, the plants around um, suffer from erosion. Uh, it's a really big deal. And actually many of the advantages of using wood in terms of carbon sequestration, bamboo just does a lot better. So you might not be able to answer this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Right, go for what it. I what is the relationship between, especially in Asian culture, bamboo and good luck? Yeah. I mean, bamboo has a long history um, in many cultures, uh, primarily throughout Asia, Southeast Asia, South Asia, where we're based in the Philippines um, and also on the island of Mindanao. The bamboo plant is considered the origin of humanity, where the original man and woman were, came out of a, a bamboo shoot. Um, so it has, you know, it has a very deep uh, I, I would say like symbiotic relationship with human beings um, and w with deep cultural significance. So, you know, in our work with indigenous populations, which is actually where most of our bamboo is planted in the Philippines, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a sacred plant that we have a, a, uh, a special relationship with as humans. And I think that sort of relationship is one that we are constantly in, I mean, I would say constantly in conversation, but also in like in consideration, like, can we build a scalable construction industry with a sacred plant revered by indigenous people? Um, sometimes it's contradictory and we're trying to do it in a really good way to the best of our ability. I have a lot of different perspectives on the pace of development in the world, but we may as well use a material that has a positive ecological benefit than using trees or particularly steel or concrete um, that pretty much across the board has is a catastrophe, right? It has a really um, it has a really detrimental effect to our ecosystem, and only now is it becoming a mainstream realization that oh, actually, you know, climate change is real and it's having real impacts on the health and well-being of human beings as well as many other species. So. That's part of our part of our motivation is to bring humanity back in right relationship, um, and this is one avenue for that. If you're open to sharing, I would love to hear some of your perspectives regarding the pace of development in the world. <laughs> it's 
It's a good question. So maybe I won't necessarily answer that question. I think it's it's a really it's a really deep and big question. But one thing that I can say is that we need to be creating beautiful buildings rather than just functional buildings. And if we can use a material that is both uh, more beautiful, it makes people feel really good in the building, um, and is a biological material that people have a direct emotional and sense of connection with. Like that's a good thing. Um, and, and more and more, I think we've, uh, yeah, maybe just about the future. Like what is the future of a city that we can really love? And that is, um, a different se- sort of mobility where people have walkable cities that are human scale, um, where our senses are, can be alive within a city environment, um, where the sounds and, uh, light and materials that are used are like are really appropriate for for humans and also for other animals. Um, that's one role that bamboo can play. And some of the some of the buildings that we've you know done concept renderings of uh, are just gorgeous. Like wow, I would actually want to spend the day indoors in a building like this. Um, so maybe just the the perspective of humans as creating beautiful structures, beautiful cities where people are actually really happy. Um, That's a vision that I want to work on. So you mentioned Rhizome has building products. Are you, or is there any plans to move into other products like furniture, for example? You know, we sell to furniture makers. Uh, Bamboo panels are a pretty standard input into furniture, into flooring, into cabinet making as a, as a beautiful hardwood alternative that's much cheaper and much more sustainable. Like you can't just go buy tropical mahogany anymore because it's all gone. You know, you go to Indonesia, go to Philippines, go to India. Um, there are logging moratoriums or there are just simply no trees left. And that's, you know, that's, it, it's hard to imagine unless you've seen it, that there are just literally no trees left. Um, in many countries, sub-Saharan Africa. And it turns out that the places where bamboo grows the best um, are usually in these regions where there's been almost 100% deforestation. So we have a really great opportunity to both support local economies in developing regions and also restore ecological balance with bamboo agroforestry and also native reforestation. Are we making other other products? Yeah. So we're essentially, as Rhizome, optimizing the manufacturing process and growing process for bamboo, and then making an input into a trillion-dollar construction industry and interior furnish- furnishing industry. So we're making, we're making the inputs, panels, boards, and you know, dimensional lumber like 2x6s. Right now, we're pretty much exclusively making panels, which, uh, you know, for the common common person you know just plywood like half inch plywood um and pretty much every building in the modern world has pieces of plywood in it so you sound like a very thoughtful individual earlier in Thank the you. conversation oh you're welcome earlier in the conversation you mentioned you were thinking about why to join rhizome why to be a part of rhizome you mentioned impact being important to you mm-hmm. the crux of our conversation is the why behind what you do yeah. so Let's unravel that a little bit. Why is making an impact important to you and why Rhizome? 
So I'm going to take the question a little bit differently. I don't know why making an impact is important to me. It you know comes from an inner call that we all have, and we all make impact in our own way. And this is just a particular flavor of that. But there's something particular about working on climate and large-scale ecological restoration that has been a beautiful journey for me in that because it's a really big problem, like it's, you know, it's clearly one of the major themes of this decade. How do we address climate change on a global level? And that has attracted some of the best collaborators, employees, funders, um, you know, customers, where everyone realizes we're actually in this together. You know, we are on the same team, even if we're competitors. And that level of collaborative spirit and motivation, passion, and competence, like we can hire really, really brilliant people. And and being able to work with highly competent, passionate, heart-centered, brilliant people is just a total gift. Um, and that's both within our team, but also just in in all of the people that we talk to, working on climate and working on an issue that is this significant can open doors. So I, I highly recommend anyone with the with the leaning towards working in a climate related business or um, addressing ecological addressing ecological restoration. Um, there's a lot of support for you. Like you will be able to have. A very successful career, you'll be able to make a lot of money, and you'll be able to be surrounded by people that you really love working with. And uh, so, I it's been a total gift to work in this area. You mentioned everyone having a calling, and I agree with you. As my role as an interviewer, it's my job to push just a little bit harder. You mentioned your calling, and you had the courage to follow it. Where does that courage come from? Great question. I don't know. Um, I, I, I mean, I tend to think that we all, like all human beings are highly capable. Um, and I don't actually, I don't know that I necessarily believe that I, I like, I don't have particularly more courage than anyone else. You know, I grew up in a stable household in a highly developed country, uh, in the U S, um, with a whole lot of privileged circumstances that has a lot that has given me the choice to work on something that I want rather than just fight for survival in a job that I may or may not agree with as, as part of my highest calling. So I think one level is privilege. Um, you know, also privilege of education. You know, I went to Stanford, I worked at some great tech companies. Um, you know, I've been supported in pretty much every step of my life in a way that not everyone has that advantage. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't chalk it up to courage. I chalk it up to privilege and I'm very grateful for that privilege and, uh, and hopefully use it the best that I can. Troy, I really appreciate you sharing that. And I think that that's a really a profound statement, especially in the time we're in right now regarding recognizing some of the privileges that we have, you know, you and I can sit here and talk about this and, you know, share ideas and we have to keep in mind that not everyone can do so. So I really, really appreciate that from the bottom of my heart. And that's part of the so, mission of a company like this. It's not just, you know, the Western white savior coming in and saving indigenous people and giving them opportunities or something like that. But there's a level of responsibility for people with money, 
for regulators, for politicians, for business people to say, you know, what, what can I do that's actually good in the world? Um, and it turns out most of the things that we can do that are actually good in the world, there is a strong financial case for as well. Um, so like, I don't see it as a zero sum game. Like there's a lot of opportunity to be able to give our gifts. Um, and it's very fulfilling. Totally agree. So switching gears with Rhizome now for several years, what, what would you say is the most valuable lesson you've learned about yourself on your journey? Yeah, it's a great question. I don't know about the most valuable, but some of the things that I've, I've witnessed in myself is basically like where I thrive, where I feel energized, where I feel really, really motivated to continue working and moments when I don't. And one of the, one of the reasons why I can stay motivated in something that is sometimes frustrating or slower, you know, it's a manufacturing company dealing, you know, dealing with technical manufacturing problems and, um, and very complex, you know, political and legal relationships and, um, you know, the building industry goes slower than I would like to see in transforming and um, all of these, all of these things that could seem like problems. Um, one of the ways in which I feel motivated is by feeling the sense of integrity that what we are doing is sort of like the best that we can do. Um, you know, we're trying to do something good. We're trying to uh, establish whatever building systems that are good for everybody. We're actually, we're actually no one loses in the system. Um, and that feels like a really good, I mean, it feels like an integrity to do that. Um, so, and integ like that level of integrity is challenging to find in many, uh, in many businesses. You know, I've worked, I've worked at other companies before and, and it's almost always been a compromise. And I wouldn't say that Rhizome is strictly like, yes, we have it solved. We're on the evolutionary edge of business and doing everything right. Like, like that's clearly not the case, but at least we're doing our best. And, um, and that's a, that's a pretty, like, that's a pretty good thing. Um, so I just appreciate the, the integrity that I've been able to find within myself to be able to go and, you know, share on a podcast that, yeah, I'm proud of what I'm doing and I believe in it. You mentioned helping people, you mentioned integrity, you mentioned being the best at, you know, what you can do. What would you like to be famous for? Wow. I mean, whatever. I, I don't, I don't know about fame yet, but clearly I'm on a podcast and so I'm not averse to having my voice heard. Um, so what would I want to be famous at? It's like, what is the core message that people should hear when they look up to famous people, whether that's celebrities or politicians or sports stars or like people that they respect entrepreneurs? Um, and I think the core, like, like the core message is, is almost always about care or love or just like feeling the feeling the love for the planet, feeling in uh, allyship and friendship with other human beings, feeling love for other species, really enjoying life um, and realizing that it is a, like, that it doesn't have to be hard. And, and to, have a, to have a famous person that can hold that perspective would be a total gift to me. Like, I don't, I don't think I necessarily grew up with a lot of idols or role models who displayed a level of competence and integrity 
And, um, but like, you know, a really high level person that was like, you know, getting stuff done in the world where they also displayed a level of heart that was obvious, um, that was as obvious as their business success, for example. Um, and I think that's really important. And now I have more role models. Um, but I think that, I mean, if that was a standard, that would be amazing. That would be amazing. And you mentioned love for the planet. You mentioned allyship. It's 2025. What does the future hold for Rhizome? Hmm. Well, by 2025, we'll have, let's say, we'll have expanded significantly throughout Southeast Asia. That means, so the process we're in right now is just on the sort of like business success side, we'll have established the first sort of full scale model for a really sophisticated manufacturing operation for bamboo structural materials um, that is much cheaper and much higher quality than anything that currently exists. And the goal by 2050 is expanding that replicable model a thousand times around the world. So a thousand processing facilities, a million hectares of bamboo under cultivation. Um, and that would be about a 10 gigaton CO2 impact by 2050. And that's about 1% of anthropogenic carbon emissions. So that's like, that's a really big number. If we can do that, I would be like, yeah, that's a great success. Even if we miss it by 50%, like, wow, that's a big success. So in five years, we'd better be well on our way of doing that. We will have planted um, bamboo and native forest um, all around equatorial regions, uh, made partnerships with local partners in places like Ethiopia and Ghana and Kenya and Mexico and you know East Timor and Indonesia and Vietnam and throughout India. And that each of these regions, you know, I would say seven to 10 years down the line, these plantations will come online for harvesting um, and manufacturing building materials that will be used locally. Um, so that so that regions like India, that's going to see a massive population increase and massive building, um, that they can do that with a regenerative, climate-friendly material rather than building concrete buildings, which will cause some climate thresholds that we really don't want to hit. Well, you painted a beautiful vision, and I look forward to seeing it come to fruition. Last question. Mm -hmm. If you could share some advice or words of wisdom with the audience, what would it be? So I was just thinking about sort of like what words of wisdom would I want to hear? And I mean, the, the biggest feeling to me that is important is belonging. The fact that there are other people out there that care about me and that, that care really deeply about me, want to see me succeed personally, but also want me to, to see me fulfill, um, like a, a, fulfill my purpose, fulfill my expression in the world and live really well. And so there's, there's a way in which, in which I'm just think American culture because I'm part of American culture um, in which deep allyship and friendship uh, has sort of turned, like it's a little bit turned to networking or turned to um, a level of cultural and social isolation that you know it isn't connected with what's really important often so people feel lonely and uh you know if if you feel lonely i'd say there's like there's there's a beautiful possibility waiting for you and it and i think it particularly comes when you start working on things that are really important to you um, for me when i work in an area like climate working on this you know working on rhizome 
I connect with a lot of people that, um, you know, I've grown to care and love. Um, and so I don't know that that's a piece of advice, but that, that finding your community, finding your group of allies and friends and finding your purpose, like it's totally possible. And, and I actually, a mentor of mine once said this to me, um, you know, by the time you have found your community, you will be well on your way to having a lot of fun. And so for me, even more than the climate impact or even more than um, a like ideological vision of how the world should be, to follow the principle of what is deeply nourishing and fun. And that is as accurate a guidance system as anything that you can imagine is good for the world. That's great advice. Listeners, go out and find your community. Find your Enjoy. fun. <laughs> there you go. Or your fun. I've so enjoyed speaking with you. Is there anything I should have asked you that I did not? You know, I can't think of anything. I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed the conversation. I enjoyed the opportunity. Um, I enjoyed the sense of, of care that you brought to the conversation and, um, and also just the opportunity to have the story of bamboo, the story of rhizome, um, you know, just spread to more people. And uh, so, you know, just to say, we're always very open to collaboration, um, whether you're an architect or a designer or a funder or a developer, um, you know, or whatever, whatever category that you feel like would be, you have a, a hit on collaboration, you know, reach out. And I will put a link to your website in the show notes. Troy, I really enjoyed speaking with you and I look forward to catching up with you again soon. All right. Thanks a lot, Raj. Thank you. Before we go, I'm excited to share that we've launched our comic strip, The Adventures of Mira and Nexi. You can find the first issue at our website, nexuspmg.com, under the Original Content tab. Thank you for listening. If you like our show, please give us a rating and review on iTunes. And you can show your support by sharing our show with a friend or reach out to us on social media where you'll find us under our Nexus PMG handle. If there's a subject or topic you'd like to hear about, send me an email, btu at nexuspmg.com or contact me via our website, nexuspmg.com. And while you're there, you can sign up for our monthly newsletter where we share what we're reading and thinking about in the clean tech, green tech sectors. Bigger Than Us is a Nexus PMG production.